Well, as the children make their way back, will you please turn with me in your Bibles to John 17, the Gospel of John and chapter 17. Well, as Pastor Ari has said during the announcements, our mission as a church is to make fully devoted disciples of Jesus, which glorifies God. And so if that's my mic, uh, we want a mic. Is that me? I love you. Blessed be your name, O Lord. You prepare all week for the Lord's Day, Sunday, and you prepare a meal for us from your word. You prepare announcements for us to hear, to see how you are building your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. You prepare conversations for us to share with one another as brothers and sisters in your family. And we are encouraged by those. Sometimes we're corrected We receive joy as we share about your glory in our lives. Lord, as we sing worship, we return praise, which you've given to us, we return it to you. May the praise of your Son, Jesus, be on our lips every day, and especially as we gather on the Lord's day. As we pray for one another and bear one another's burdens, you build your church, and we are so grateful for that. Now, Lord, we've opened your word, and we ask that you would feed us. We need nourishment from you. This world is scary. This world is dark. Our own hearts deceive us at times. We cannot trust our minds at times, but we can trust every word that proceeds from your mouth. And you've written it all down, Lord, in your word. So feed us now through your word and make us more like Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, last week at the missions conference, we learned from all of our missionaries around the world how they are not only sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in word, but they're also sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in deed. They're partnering with the kingdom of God by doing word and deed ministry. So they're meeting tangible needs and loving others in Jesus' name, but they're also telling them the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. So word and deed ministry. And that is so that the world might hear the gospel, the good news. 
As Jesus finishes his high priestly prayer at the end of John 17, which we're about to look at, uh, he's going to end his prayer with a prayer that the love of God, which we're telling the world about, would be so clearly manifested in the church among us as a church family that the world would see it and that many would come to believe in it because the love of God unites us and is a testimony to the world. That's how Jesus ends his high priestly prayer. I'm going to read John 17, verses 20 through the end of the chapter, verse 26. And in it we'll see how Jesus ends his longest recorded prayer. And he's praying for us. Let's hear the prayer and the word of God. John 17, starting in verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me, through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. That is the close of Jesus' longest recorded prayer, the high priestly prayer of Jesus. This is the night Jesus was betrayed. This is the day before Good Friday. After this prayer, Jesus is going to willingly go into his arrest, into his trial, into his mockery, into his torture, into his execution. That is what's going on as Jesus finishes this high priestly prayer. Uh, Two weeks ago, we continued looking at the prayer. And in that section, the middle of John 17, Jesus is praying for the disciples, his disciples. And he talks a lot in the prayer about the world. And so the world comes up and the disciples come up. So what's the relationship of the disciples in the world? Well, in the prayer, Jesus says that the disciples are not of this world. He says that the world hates them. But then he says in his prayer, Father, you have sent me into the world. And then Jesus in his prayer sends the disciples into the world. So the world and the disciples of Jesus Christ have a relationship in tension. In tension. It's not quite like those uh, commercials for the upcoming midterm elections where every candidate is either literally the worst person who has ever lived or the finally arrived Messiah of the universe, right? I mean, those seem to be the only two options. So that's complete antagonism. That's not quite like the world and the disciples. But it's also certainly not kumbaya around a campfire. I mean, Jesus does not break out a banjo after this prayer. 
Hey, let's sing Kumbaya with the world. There's tension between disciples and the world. So what is Jesus' prayer in the midst of that? We're going to see that God's love for the world is the thing that's going to change that dynamic. God's love produces love in us, his people. And when God's love is shown in this church, in this community, among God's people, that is going to draw many people to believe. His prayer ends on this note. And to say it simply, this is a phrase I'm going to say multiple times this morning. God's love produces uniting love that attracts the world. I'll say it again. God's love produces in us uniting love that attracts the world. So we'll see that in the end of John 17. We have an outline with four points to help us walk through uh, verses 20 through 26. First, love is eternal. This love that we're talking about, love is eternal. Second, sin blinds. Sin blinds. Third, love unites. And then fourth, as we heard read earlier, for God so loved the world. Love is eternal, sin blinds, love unites. And then fourth, for God so loved the world. Let's start with point one, love is eternal. Look at verse 24. If you don't have a Bible with you, it's also reprinted on the back of the bulletin, especially if you like to take notes. Verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. Right? He wants to be with his people. He wants that community of fellowship. To see my glory that you have given me because, and here it is, you loved me before the foundation of the world. Love is eternal. Right? God's love produces uniting love that attracts the world. So this love is eternal. It sounds like uh, some power ballad from the 1980s, right? Love is eternal. One of the songs they play in the Macy's elevators, right? Uh, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. Uh, this is real love. This is real power. God's love is eternal. Remember, before the creation of the world, what does it say in Genesis 1.1? In the beginning. Well, that's the beginning of the cosmos. That's when creation started. But prior to that, for eternity past, there was a community of love. Father, Son, Spirit, the triune God giving and receiving love. And so Jesus is praying that that eternal, perfect, unstained, unending love that the triune God shares, Father, Son, and Spirit, would be shared by us. That our community, brothers and sisters in Christ, would look like that, would experience that love. This love is the real stuff. It's perfect love. And it's untainted by what ruins love in a lot of our lives. Selfishness. You know selfishness when you see it, don't you? We all can sniff out selfishness in others. Sometimes it's hard to know when we're being selfish. But we know selfish love we have something and we don't want to share it with anyone. Or you give kids a, a lot of candy and what do they want to do? They want to eat every piece themselves. And if you go to the stores, they're already ramping up for Halloween where all this candy goes out. I have never seen a kid come home with a bunch of candy after Halloween and go, look at all this candy. I'm going to give it away to all my friends. Right? We're not born with that other-centered heart. We're born with selfish hearts. If you look at the Billboard Top 10 songs on the radio, which you should not do <laughs> at all, even the titles these days are R-rated, uh, you know, I looked at some of them and it's all selfish love. 
And this isn't any of the lyrics, but I'm just going to lyrically say this because this is the songs on the radio. Here's how you make me feel. Here's how you make me happy. Here's how you fill my needs. I'm needy, meet my needs. That's what the songs are all about. You, you make me feel this way. It's all selfish love. Selfish love is everywhere. And so when we see Jesus praying the night he was betrayed, how refreshing and beautiful is it that the love of Christ in his prayer for us is so different than the love we've seen in our world. It's so beautiful. It's so powerful. It's eternal is, is a small word to describe it. He has the best love and he wants to share that love with the world and with us. And now, as he's praying this prayer, Father, unite them. Father, give my people love. Help them be united. Help them love each other. Help us share our love with them. Jesus knows what it's going to take. Because for Jesus' prayer to be answered, for you and I to receive the love of God, which will unite us and attract the world, it was going to cost Jesus his life. And he willingly died so that you and I could have that otherworldly, incredible, amazing love. This love is eternal. That's point one. It's not an invention. This love didn't come out in the 1900s. It wasn't discovered by Vikings. It wasn't dug up by archaeologists. The love of God is eternal. Look at the end of verse 24. You loved me before the foundation of the world. So the reason why the love of Jesus is so different, so radical, so selfless, so amazing, so, how about this one, reliable, so refreshing, so life-changing is because it's like nothing else on earth. God's love, think about this, God's love doesn't remind you of the best wedding you've ever been to. Oh yeah, that makes me think of this wedding I was at. No, the best wedding you've ever been to reminds you of God's love. It works in that direction. The best wedding you've ever been to is a shadow of the perfect love of the triune God for us. And you've been invited to share this eternal love with a family. And you've been invited by the one who was going to die to get you in. God's love produces uniting love that attracts the world. First, love is eternal. But there's a problem. There's always a problem. Remember, we talk about being the people of the good news of Jesus Christ. We go out into the world, good news, good news. The reason there's such good news is because there's also bad news. Which brings us to point two, sin blinds. Sin blinds. Look at verse 25 now in Jesus' prayer. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. All right, so these know that you have sent me. Jesus is talking about his disciples at the time. The disciples knew that Jesus was sent by God, but the world, even at the time, largely rejected Jesus. Jesus said, I'm coming from the Father. He said, he's one with the Father. The Father and I are one. And most of the people on the planet rejected that eternal love, the triune God's love, the message of love, the works and deeds of love. The world rejected that. Look what it says. O righteous Father, 
even though the world does not know you. So why doesn't the world know? What's wrong? This is beautiful love. Everyone sings about love. Everyone writes love letters. Everyone buys love cards at the store, right? Love, 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 love. Why doesn't anybody know the true love? The eternal love, the powerful love, it's because of sin. Sin is the problem in the world. What does sin do? Sin blinds us to true love. Sin makes us want to love only ourselves and not others, not share that love with others. Sin shrinks our kingdom into our own little world and and makes us forget about sharing love with other people. Sin blinds us from love. So the world doesn't know God, Jesus says, because the world has rejected love by rejecting the person of Jesus Christ. The world doesn't want a king. They want to be king. And this was all of our situations from birth where we were born into sin, living for ourselves until by grace we were saved through faith in Jesus Christ. He opened our eyes that we might see. And as soon as we think about, you know, our eyes have been opened and, and people in the world are blind, what wells up inside of our hearts? Well, sometimes it's judgmentalism. Look at those awful blind people. That's not what's on Jesus' heart here. It's all compassion because sin has blinded the world. If you hear the, the heart of Jesus in this prayer and you want the heart of Jesus for the lost, the blind, it should produce in your heart compassion. Think about how the Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. Paul says, in their case, those in the world who are still blind and don't know Jesus, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from what? Seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so a compassionate heart takes Jesus to the point of wanting people who are blind to come and see the light. But the God of this world, Satan, blinds people. And people around us aren't blind just to see a sunrise or a rainbow in the sky or a baby laugh or, or bacon, crisp fried bacon. It's one of my favorite things to see and smell and touch and taste. They're not just blind to see artwork and beautiful things. They're blind to see light. They're blind to good news. They're blind to glory. As Jesus is thinking about the world which has rejected him, he knows, wow, they're so dark. They're so lost. They're so blind. His heart of compassion bleeds for them. Imagine, friends, if you've never known laughter in your life, if you've never seen art, if you have never known hope. Compassion is on the mind of Jesus Christ as he prays this prayer. So his heart is one of compassion because our second point, sin blinds. Sin blinds us from love. So we live as self-centered and selfish people, not knowing light and life and goodness and glory. And if you're being honest, uh, even as Christians who have come to see the light, who have been saved by grace through faith in Christ, sometimes we give in to sin too. Sometimes we don't quite see sin for what it is, and we all need to ask God for help and discernment. One author says it this way. It's really helpful for me this week. Sin doesn't always look sinful to us. Sometimes it looks beautiful. That's why we need grace to see sin for what it really is. Dark, dangerous, enslaving, and destructive. 
So sin not only blinds those apart from the kingdom of God, and Jesus has compassion for them, but sometimes sin blinds children of God. And we give in to those small pleasures, those small distractions, which take us away from the glory of Jesus Christ. And yet, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us those sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Amen? So sin blinds. Point two, that's the bad news. But there's always good news here at Cornerstone because there's always good news in the Bible. The good news is that, number three, love unites. Remember our phrase, God's love produces uniting love that attracts the world. Number three, love unites. Look again at verses 21 to 23. In 21 through 23, Jesus is praying for you, for every believer who will ever come to believe. In verse 21, he prays for our unity, that we would share the unity of the triune God and be in them to share in their community of love. In verse 22, he prays that we would receive glory. You know what glory is? Glory is the thing lovers do. Lovers praise each other. They speak highly of one another. They never speak negatively behind each other's backs. They give. They receive love. They promote each other. They want to see each other. They glory in each other. That's part of what it means to share glory. And so the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit are inviting us into love and glory, and that unites us. Now look at verse 23. What is it like? I in them and you in me. So Jesus in us and the Father in Jesus, that they, us, may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. God's love is uniting love. It produces unity in us that we wouldn't have had otherwise. So apart from Jesus Christ, I'm looking around the room, One person from our church grew up in my neighborhood in Bethlehem, PA. But other than that guy, I wouldn't have known any of you if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. The love of Jesus Christ, the love of God for us, unites us to people that otherwise we would not have known. And so that's the love that unites us. Christian discipleship is understanding and living out and sharing that love in community. And Christian discipleship, if we pull back away from the passage for a minute, is always just doing what's been done to us. If you want to know how to do something in Jesus, then think about what he's done for you. We love because he first loved us. We forgive because he has forgiven us. We serve others because he came to serve us. We show grace and mercy to each other because he has shown grace and mercy to us. So how do we get this God-produced love and unity? We receive it because it's been given to us. Now look at the end of verse 23. Jesus is modeling this for us and loved them even as you loved me. So Jesus wants the world to know that there's an other-centered love which is given and received, and then we share that, and it unites us, and it's going to attract the world. All we have to do is receive God's love and then give it out to others. And we have more than enough to give because his love overflows. At the end of verse 23, and love them even as you 
loved me. Jesus has always been giving and receiving this love with the Father and the Spirit, and we are just invited into that triune God community love. The Father loves us, His people. The Son loves us, His people. The Spirit loves us, His people. And we're invited into that. Isn't that a great thing to be invited to? Love unites. Love unites. God's love unites. But what does selfish love do? God's love unites and selfishness separates. Selfishness cancels. Selfishness runs away. Selfishness shuts the door. If you go on social media, there are lots of people who post photos, like it's a photo of their family or a photo of a famous person. There's a lot of things on social media, though, where it's a square and it's an image with a quote on it. And if you go on social media, which I don't recommend, especially during the sermon, I found a couple that really get this selfish love right in our faces, but it's, it's promoted as the positive way to live. Selfish love is promoted as a positive thing. Here's one I saw. It's a nice little picture with this, you know, background, and uh, here's what the quote says. People are posting this. It's very common. Life becomes easier when you delete the negative people from it. And there's a keyboard button, and there's a finger about to press delete, delete, delete. So think about everyone who has ever been negative that you know, and just delete, 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 delete. You're going to be the only one left. And then you realize, well, I've been pretty negative. Delete, right? (laughs) Jesus offers a different button on the keyboard. Enter. But delete, 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 delete. We've all been negative at times, right? And that's that self-love lie out there. Delete everyone from your life who isn't the perfect person for you and builds you up all the time. Delete everybody. Delete everybody. I I found one that sounds even more selfish. Listen to this one. It's all really big, bold letters. If your presence can't add value to my life, your absence will make no difference. That's one of the top hits when I search for pictures like this. If your presence can't add value to, is this love? Is this eternal love? Is this love going to change people's lives? If you can't add value to my life, I don't care. All right, now imagine if Jesus said something like that, right? We see this beautiful love of Jesus, this prayer of Jesus before he faces what he is going to face. He's praying for his enemies, That we would know his love. Imagine if Jesus got on the cross and said, Nah, I'm getting down from here because these fools don't deserve me. He put that on his Instagram. Can you imagine if Jesus did that? He doesn't. He says, I'll die so that they can know real love. I'll die so that my enemies can be my friends. I'll die so that men and women, boys and girls, can be adopted into my family. This love is so incredible. And God's love unites us, his people. And that's going to attract the world. This love-produced unity is a testimony to the world, which Jesus says now in verse 21. I want to read 21 now. That they, us, 
may all be one, even though we're different, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, sharing in the love of the triune God, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. God's love produces uniting love that attracts the world. Which brings us to our final point this morning, point four. For God so loved the world. What is this love? What is this eternal, otherworldly, game-changing love? What does it look like? How can we recognize it? Well, we just look at the cross. We look at the life, death, and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Point four, for God so loved the world. Look at verse 26 now, the end of Jesus' longest recorded prayer. He's talking to the Father. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. Very interesting he says that. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. So, point four. For God so loved the world. Jesus, as this high priestly prayer comes to a close, has already been making God known to the world by his life and teaching. He's healing people. He's feeding people. He's forgiving people. He's teaching people. He's correcting people. He's being very patient with the disciples who needed it. So he's already done that. And by making the name of God known, he says, I've made that known. He's also making the love and character of God known. But Jesus knows there's one more Step for the love of God to be made known. Look at verse 26 again. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. How is, I mean, this is it. There there isn't even 24 hours left before he dies. How is Jesus going to continue to make his love known to the world? How? Well, in his own life, the next day, and then in his church even today. In his own life, the next day, and in his church, even up until today. Peek ahead to chapter 18. If you have your Bible open, you'll see that this is it. After he says, in my own name I pray, amen. I mean, how does he end prayer? We don't know how Jesus ends this prayer. The last recorded word we have is, and I in them, him in our presence. He closes his prayer, and then he's arrested, and that's it. He willingly gives his life. He continues to make the love of God known by willingly going to the cross. And it starts next week in John 18, where we'll start next week. The final words of Christ before he willingly faces the greatest trial the world has ever known was him wanting to be in us, the church, so that the love of God which produces unity would attract the rest of the world so that they might see that love as well. He wants the love of God to be known and he's going to give his life for it. He has already shown them in his life and teaching, but now he's going to really show them on the cross. God's love produces uniting love that attracts the world. So the love of God which sends Jesus to die on the cross, unites us. Because we were all born into sin. We all needed a Savior. We were blind, but now we can see. We were lost, but now we've been found. That unity, that testimony, people from all different backgrounds, all different stories, all different sins that you've committed. Every one of them's been forgiven. And so we have unity in Jesus Christ. The same faith, love, hope. And redemption. And our unity is not in we're all rooting for the same team at 1 o'clock p.m. today. 
because not all of you are Eagles fans. And I've been around groups of Eagles fans, and we don't have anything else in common. And so if the Eagles lose, well, it's miserable, right? But we have such greater unity, and that unity, the love-produced unity of God, is a testimony to the world. Look at verse 26. I made known to them your name and will continue to make it known. And so you and I get to do that today as we love each other, as we bear one another's burdens, as we pray for each other, as we think about each other, as we head to the parking lot and home, as we, as we encourage. Some of you will hug one another. You'll root for one another. Some of you will share a victory over sin story or a victory in your life story, and people will amen with you as we share that love. Jesus is continuing to let the world know about his love so that the whole world might see so that more folks who are blind right now may have their eyes open to the truth of Jesus Christ and may see a greater love than that small kingdom of self-love that doesn't get you anywhere if you keep deleting everybody else. Well, there's one more way to get that great news of Jesus out into the world. In a couple Saturdays from now, we have an outreach event at the Talamenson Township Community Day at Fishers Park. It's going to be on a Saturday. We've got a sign-up sheet in the library, and uh, we, we're looking for some more folks to help out. We've got a setup crew, and we've got a breakdown crew, but the noon to 4 o'clock window, we're looking for people to sign up for two hours, 12 to 2 or 2 to 4. We would love this week today for that thing to be filled up. And what we're going to do that day is we're going to show people in our community the unity we have, and the love of Jesus Christ. We've got giveaways and games and fun stuff and little advertisements for events that are going on in our church. We want the world to know, but we can't do it with our love. It's the love of God which produces that unity, which attracts the world to Christ. So please consider signing up in the library for that outreach event. We want the world to know Jesus was praying for this community to come to know that love. God's love produces uniting love that attracts the world. So as we close, may God help us show that love to the world. May you have a chance today, after the service, this week, to love somebody else in your church family with an others-centered love, with amazing love, with sacrificing love, with glorious love, with the eternal love of the triune God that has been given so graciously to us. So let me ask every heart in this room now. Maybe you're new to Christianity. Maybe you've never heard of this love of Jesus. Maybe you had no idea that the message of Jesus was he died so that you could be saved and redeemed from your sins. If you don't know that love, but you want that, if your heart's starting to react to that, ask God to open your eyes so that you might see the amazing love of Jesus Christ. It's amazing It's amazing. If you've done something really bad, guess what? We're all sinners. And you can be forgiven too. And if you're thinking, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. I don't. But Jesus does. And he died anyway. So that you might be saved. If you have questions about that, stay and ask. Do you you know his love, Christians, brothers and sisters? Do you really live that love out each day? Or have you realized over the past few days, weeks, or months, you've been just living for yourself? 
will stare at the good news of Jesus, stare at the cross, and be set free from that little tiny kingdom you've been living in, which is all about you instead of about God and his kingdom and his people. Is the love of God uniting you to other believers? Are you saying, enter, 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 enter? Or lately have you been thinking, delete, 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 delete. Jesus invites you into a better community than the delete community. So we're about to sing how deep the Father's love for us. Friends, look at the cross. It was that deep. Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God's love produces uniting love that attracts the world. Jesus finished his high priestly prayer, ready to die, so that we might receive that love. So may we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, be united by his love for our good, the good of the world, and for his glory. That's Jesus' prayer. Lord, make it happen for us. Let's pray. Lord, this love is so different than what we're used to. We so often think just about ourselves, just about our little kingdom. But your son Jesus showed us a better love, a better way. He didn't delete all of his enemies. He died so that his enemies might be saved. Help that love unite this church and attract the world for our good and for your glory. Teach us to love like Jesus loved. And when we forget When our kingdom gets too small, when we want to delete others, Lord, help us remember how deep your love for us truly was. Your son Jesus prayed that we would get to share in your love. So make this church characterized by your perfect eternal love. In Christ's name we pray.